Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today I'm speaking with Mark Mawinney. Mark is a lifelong entrepreneur who's on a mission to help coaches build successful businesses. He achieves this with his coaching programs, his podcast, Natural Born Coaches, his Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle, and his exclusive print newsletter, The Secret Coach Club. Mark, before we jump into more about your business, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not working. I'm never not working, so it's a trick question. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more balanced. So um, let me see. Uh, the, the Cliff's Notes version, I am a coach on, uh, in Atlanta, Canada. So I'm on the East Coast here in a beautiful province called New Brunswick. And um, I'm all about helping other coaches, you know. Um, and a lot of my focus is helping them get more clients organically without paid ads. So what do I do in my free time? I've got a little guy, a nine-year-old son, so we have fun. And um, I like getting out to movies when I can. I'm a huge horror movie fan. If there's ever four teenagers going to a cabin in the woods and they're getting hunted down and killed, that's <laughs> probably my type of movie. And, and I'm a big reader. I mean, I, I absolutely love reading too. So usually find me if it's not working doing one of those things or the beach. You know, we love our summers in Canada because they're fairly short. So I like getting to the beach as well. Nice. Now, everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. And the first part of our conversation is really going to focus on your business journey. So how long have you been coaching and what really led you to get into it in the first place? I am in my fourth year now coaching, and I've crammed a lot into that time. It feels like it's been about 14 years, but it's actually been four years of coaching. And it was never planned this way. You know, I started a business when I was 21 years old uh, back. uh, I'm dating myself here, but back in 2000, I got into real estate and I did that for about a decade and did really well throughout my 20s and was just rocking and rolling. I built up a business uh, that had 100 agents and employees, several offices. Everything was going great. And then 2009 hit and everything collapsed. And to make a long story short, I was helped back to my feet by several coaches and mentors and that's where I first discovered the the benefits of coaching and the power of coaching because I'd never had anything to do with coaching before that. And that's why I believe so strongly in what coaches do. So and when I decided to get back into a business and start another business, I said, you know what? I'd really like to have that same kind of effect on other people. I'm going to be a coach. Mm, nice. Now, you had already started a really successful business, but we all know that no matter what business you're in, no matter what your background is, Building up a business has a lot of ups and downs. So for your coaching business, can you talk about maybe a low point that you experienced and how you really got past it? Well, I think the low point was really in the early days because I got started back at the beginning of 2014 and I was only a few years removed from, you know, business closure and this this very public failure, you know, and um, it, there's always that little voice in your head when you go through that that says, hey, who are you to coach people who's going to listen to you you just went through i went through not one but two business closures in less than four years uh, the second one being in 2012 
And uh, before I, that's when I said, you know what, screw real estate, I'm done. <laughs> you know, get, get me out of here. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's that little voice in your head. And what I've discovered, though, coming out of that low point in the early days was, hey, this actually makes me a better coach. You know, it makes me more empathetic. It makes me understand what people are going through because I've had the sleepless nights and I've had the haters coming at me and I've dealt with all this stuff. So my low point was actually probably in those first few months when I was working tons of hours and, you know, trying to get traction and I was throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what would stick. And then it finally got rolling, you know, probably took about six months to get going. So since then, it's been um, uphill, uh, sorry, since happened, downhill, but I won't say smooth sailing because there's never smooth sailing, always in business, but it's gone really well, knock on wood. And um, so my low point would have been probably the early days. Right. So you said about six months in, you finally felt like you were starting to gain some momentum. What do you attribute that to? What did you do at that point? Well, the benefit that I had was coming from a real estate background. It was almost the exact mm-hmm. same evolution of my real estate business. The first six months, I was working for the equivalent of third world wages, probably if I factored in the number of hours I was putting in. But in real, when I was 21 years old, real estate started to get going because all the efforts that I was doing in those six months started to come together. They started to, to come back. And the same thing happened with coaching is I just did that consistent daily effort, day in, day out, not worrying if I saw immediate results or not. And then all of a sudden things started to happen. Someone I talked to, you know, three months earlier, five months earlier, was, you know, coming around to become a client. Or someone said, hey, I've been watching you, Mark, for, you know, the last six months and I really like what you're doing. Can we talk? And it started to go that way. So the disadvantage that new coaches have is they don't have that time beforehand that they were building up a funnel and, and leads and potential clients. So if a new coach is listening, take some comfort that anyone, anything that you're doing now or anyone you're talking to could become a client, let's say next summer, next spring, next fall, whatever. You just never know, but you got to do those daily consistent activities and not get too discouraged if they're not coming, if they're not bearing fruit right away, you got to stick with it. Right. You said something earlier that I'd like to go back to just a little bit. You said about dealing with haters. Do you find that I mean, was that more from like people in the industry? Was it more from people who just didn't get what you were doing? Like your family not really understanding what was up? Explain that a little more. Well, for my real estate closure, I had 10 years of very few haters. Actually, things were going really well. And that's the way it usually goes, I guess, when uh, when things are going well. Although you can still definitely track haters in. But uh, for me, where it started was with that business closure. Because suddenly I went to from being... Uh, you know, nothing but success and, and everything was uh, smooth sailing to all of a sudden, bang, 2009 hits and I'm public enemy number one in my small part of the world. And my haters were, you know, some, not all, but some ex-employees, uh, peers in the real estate industry, I had the local media, which absolutely loved running negative stories about me. Um, I don't care if you like Trump or not. When Trump says fake news, I actually agree with him in a lot of cases with but at least the media, my neck of the woods did not present a balanced story. They didn't care about getting facts right, but that's okay. You know, um, and just and people didn't even know me, you know, that just read, say, a story in the newspaper and said, this guy's Hitler, you know, and um, mm-hmm. my part of the world, and I think this is true in a lot of places, I'm not sure if it's the same way in Tennessee or not, where you are, but where I'm at, uh, it's not the most pro-entrepreneurship 
part of the world. So anytime a business closes, it can be a restaurant, it can be any business whatsoever. People don't get how that could happen. And they naturally assume Mm -hmm. that, oh, the big bad boss planned this. And now there's a hundred people out of work and he's a jerk and what what an a-hole, right? And I think that I had part of that. There's people who watch me on the way up that were suddenly taking some delight and seeing, oh, look at him fall from grace. Now, what they don't realize is the haters actually provided all the fuel I needed to make my comeback. Uh, Anytime I Mm. didn't feel like working hard or felt like quitting, I would just think about that. And nope, I'm going to keep working harder and harder. So I actually owe them a tremendous um, bit of gratitude there for sure for helping to keep me going in the dark days. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I've talked to a lot of people who take all that where people just don't believe in you and they turn it into sort of that fire that that keeps them going. So I think that's a great thing for coaches to keep in mind is just no matter what anyone else is saying, just keep going and keep plugging away at it. Yeah, because we're very strange, right? 99% of the population goes out, gets a job. Uh, they hope to stay there till they're 65 they retire with their small pension and then, you know, they're, they're on the way to retirement and coaches are much different. I, most coaches I know don't want to retire and they wouldn't want to not have anything to do. They actually feel like, Hey, I'm doing something that's valuable and helping other people. I want to keep doing it. So we are the strange ones, you, I, and everyone listening, because anyone listening is taking their time out instead of watching the game or, you know, doing some frivolous activity other people do. They're listening to a podcast to help grow their coaching business. So that says something about the listeners as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, you said something else earlier that I want to go back to a little bit. You were talking about when you were getting started that you felt like you were getting the wage of a, a third world country. You know, a, lo- a lot of coaches, they get started sort of on really bare bones and trying to do it really on a budget and having to be super careful about where they're putting their investments. So do you have any tips on people that are getting started? Where should they put that investment? Well, chances are, like you said, if you're getting started, you don't have a huge war chest. I know I started my business not with a shoestring budget. It was a dental floss budget. So I just didn't have (laughs) a lot of money to throw into ads and marketing and all the other stuff. But what you have to do if you don't have that war chest with you, you have to make up for that with effort. So the problem that a lot of coaches have is they say, well, I don't have the money to put into Facebook ads or Google ads. But they're not willing to pump out the good content, you know, and to do those, Mm -hmm. to to do the work with it. Well, no, I don't really like creating content either. Okay, well, how are you going to get clients if you're not doing advertising and you're not doing any organic stuff to get your message out there? That's going to be a bit of a problem. You can't have it that way. You got to choose one or the other. And usually for newer coaches, it's they got to go the organic route. So that's what I did. I made up for my lack of resources in the early days by just working my butt off. You know, I had my podcast. I launched, um, oh, geez, I think I was in the business almost a year. And uh, I launched Natural Born Coaches as a daily show. The first 300 episodes were, were daily. Now it's a weekly frequency. But um, I did 300 straight days of shows and I was editing my own show. I was handling the bookings myself and I was doing the things I now have a team that's helping me with. But I realized that, hey, I have to do this. I can't afford to hire anybody, you know, and um, that that's what new coaches have to realize that in the early days, you're going to be putting in a ton of effort and you're probably not going to be seeing the results right away. 
Yeah, I see a lot of the stuff that you're doing now with the podcast and your blog and your Facebook group, you are creating a ton of content. So where do you feel that people should really, should they focus their efforts on one or two things or should they try to just grind it out and be everywhere? Well, they could do what I do when people say, how do you get so much content out of there? I have a team of monkeys in the garage. They're all chained to typewriters and I just go, I go out <laughs> and I whip them every few hours to get writing me posts and blog, blogs and emails now. Um, to answer your question, you should focus on just one or two things that you really enjoy. So if you don't enjoy podcasts, don't do podcasts. If you don't enjoy video, then okay, stick more to writing. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to be consistent with it. And you don't want to be doing 20 different things. So if you try to do 20 different things, you're not going to make a dent in any one thing. For me, my clients come from mainly three places. They come from podcasting stuff I do. So that's my show and doing things like this, coming on other people's shows. Uh, the second part is Facebook. And a big part, part of Facebook is my Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle. So that's been a big, uh, a big revenue driver. And the final thing is email marketing. I do daily emails to my list. And I've been doing those since April of 2016. And I highly recommend doing daily emails. People will think, oh, no, you know, that's crazy. And I'll lose a bunch of people and they'll hate me. No, they won't. The people who stick around will be the ones that resonate with you and who are your ideal clients. So I highly recommend daily emails. But those are the three things. If I'm doing those consistently, I get a steady stream of clients coming in. Where does social media fit in? Because just those three things that you just talked about sound like, now, again, taking into account that you've moved into a position where you're able to have a team help you. But even with a team, that's a lot of stuff. Just those three things. So how much are you on social media? Well, you have to be careful because you could very easily get stuck in that rabbit hole, especially Facebook. So I do something, I call it drive-by postings. <laughs> and what it means is <laughs> I, I do my post and I get the heck out of there. I don't stick around. Now I'll check back in and, you know, and I'll, I'll come back in through the day to check and see. But what I don't want to do is leave my Facebook wide open and just to I'd be inundated with notifications, with messages and so on. I actually have a Google Chrome extension. It's called Newsfeed Eradicator for Facebook. And it's been excellent. Anytime you go to your where the newsfeed normally would be, you'll see a motivational quote instead. So I can go in and I can <laughs> take care of the messages I want to take care of, but I'm not going to get distracted by cat videos or, you know, anything like that. It was uh, especially that's great for elections. So in 2020, make sure you download it just for the next presidential election. That way you won't have to see it all. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a really good tip. <laughs> a lot of the coaches that are just starting out, you know, some of the conversations that I've been having lately have really focused around knowing your worth, knowing what to charge. What's your opinion on where to start with charging? Should you start low? Should you start high? Should you start low and then increase? What's your opinion on that whole aspect of being in business and charging what you're worth? Well, I'm not a fan of charging low fees or free coaching. And I know that some coaches subscribe to schools of thought that you should do free coaching sessions. They do these two, three hour marathon free sessions where they knock, well, the theory is they're going to knock the people's socks off. And then those people will hire them and send every Tom, Dick or Harry over as referrals. And in my experience, that doesn't work or doesn't work very often. So I hate to see coaches do that. I've worked with a number of coaches who have been burnt out doing that. 
Uh, one in particular, one summer two years ago, did 65 free sessions at two to th- two wow. to three hours a piece. So th- that's almost 200 hours if you factor in the setup time. And she got one client paying peanuts. And we started to work mm. together and I said, no more free coaching. Your discovery calls, strategy sessions, whatever you want to call it, are going to be a maximum 30 minutes and it's not free coaching. And and I also had her increase her fees, and she ended up getting four new clients and 14 calls. So much better than paying a higher fee. So that's what I recommend doing is uh, not doing the free sessions or so on. Now, you can't go in there and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm a brand-new coach. I'm going to charge 100K a year you know, to work with me. You can try it. Go for it. But there's got to be a balance there, too. I, I hate to see coaches charging a few hundred dollars a month one-on-one. The new coaches I'm working with, I like to see them ideally for one-on-one doing uh, no one-off sessions or even a month, do a minimum three-month packages. I think that that's a better way to do it. And I like to see them charging at least 3000 for, for three months of one-on-one. So it's basically $1,000 a month, you know, for four weekly calls, roughly an hour each. That's, that's the range that I find is good. Right. So do you suggest that people have several different offerings or do you like to see people just go in with a, like you said, a three month package and just stick with the one-on-one clients at first? Well, one-on-one gets a bad rap because everyone nowadays is, you know, they're into the four hour work week and they say, oh no, don't do one-on-one. You're trading time for dollars and all this stuff. One-on-one is what I started with, and, and that's actually great. I think it's good to give you the experience, and um, it's good to give you fodder content for your online programs as well. But um, what I would recommend doing is have a group program out of the gate as well. So you put your one-on-ones high enough that uh, it, you're charging a good amount for it. Anyone comes to you and they're like, yeah, look, um, Millette, I really can't swing the, you know, your one-on-one. You can whip out your group program out of your back pocket. Hey, good news. I've got a group program and it's only 50% of the investment. Can I tell you more about it? And that way you don't lose them. So I wouldn't wait. I'd get started with a group program out of the gate as well. And I find a lot of coaches wait. They think they're not ready. So they're like, well, I'll wait another six months or a year before I do a group program. Don't wait. You know, group coaching is a lot of fun. I love them. I've got um, in the last uh, three to four months, I think I've filled six groups. You know, I just I love doing it. And uh, you should have it there in your back pocket as an offering, but you can add other things down the road. So I then added online programs after I had my one-on-one and my group rolling. And, you know, I have a print newsletter, like you mentioned at the beginning for coaches uh, called Secret Coach Club that was added afterwards or so on. Don't try to do 20 different offerings right out of the gate, but have those main few. Right. So, yeah, that's a great idea because... People that are listening, you know, they're like, okay, well, well, Mark's doing the newsletter and he's doing the Facebook group and he's doing the podcast and he's doing the one-on-ones and the groups and the, you don't have to start there. No, I didn't have all of that. I would have never even known uh, about print newsletters that I actually had to start my print newsletter in March of this year. So it hasn't been going, you know, all that long. It's still in its first year. But um, if you try to do too many things, uh, if you have 25 different offerings, then your cl- potential clients are going to be like deer stuck in headlights. And I've seen some coaches right. do that. They say, well, this package is one month for four weekly calls for an hour. This one's three calls a month at 45 minutes. This one's two calls at 55 minutes. This one is 13.4 minutes per call, you know, and they need a spreadsheet 
to try to keep track of it. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. So right. mine very, very simple for my offerings. I've got one-on-one programs for my um, three-month programs for one-on-one and for group, you know, and then people can extend if they want, but three months is the minimum there. And then, like we said, I've got my online programs and my newsletter and it's not 25 different offerings, but it works great for me. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your newsletter because this is something that I haven't seen a lot of people do. I mean, at least in my experience, is this something that's that you just learned about that's sort of new or how did you find out about it? Yeah. So first I'll tell you my newsletter, what it is, it's a, a 16 page paper, you know, ink and paper newsletter. There's no digital copies. So I always joke that I carve it out of stone tablets and then I get a team of carrier pigeons to fly. <laughs> right. But there's no digital copy. And I do that for a specific reason because people treat it much more serious if, if there's no, if it's paper, not digital, because they're not used to getting things in the mail by paper. It's either bill or junk mail. So, um, and then it also solves the issue of piracy and people that, you know, getting it that aren't paying for it. So it's $97 a month. I want to make sure that the people getting it are the people who should be getting it. So it's a 16 page print newsletter. Anyone in there has the potential to pick uh, or the opportunity to pick Mark's brain by email. So if any of my subscribers have a question, they can fire me off an email and I'll help them that way, which I don't do for, you know, other people, but I do it for those subscribers. And then the final thing is there's live calls once a month where we bring in a special guest, no pitching, pure value, pure content, and they come in and teach as well. So uh, that's the um, the nuts and bolts of what Secret Coach Club is. I found out about it uh, or had the idea because I was a subscriber to somebody else's print newsletter. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they they had these things anymore. I thought this was something from the 1980s, right? Yeah. And there's a lot a lot of them out there. So I started subscri- subscribing to Ben Settle's email players newsletter. It's all about email marketing. And I'm so, still a subscriber today. And I really liked what Ben was doing in the email marketing world. And I said, you know what? I'd like to do this for coaches. I think that there's a market here. There's a need for it. And that's how I launched it. And um, yeah, here we are. As we're recording this, we're going on issue number eight. So time flies. Yeah, absolutely. So you just got this newsletter off the ground. Are you thinking of what's next for your business or are you just happy where you are? I'm never just happy where I'm at. And that's probably a bad thing, you know. I'm the type of person, if I'm running like a marathon or something and I'm about to cross the finish line, I want to push the finish line back further, right? And just so I always have something to strive for. So, yeah, I've got plans for things to do. I'm starting to do more speaking. So I was a speaker down in Social Media Marketing World in March down in San Diego. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. So I'd like to do more speaking, working on my book now uh, as well, which has been in the works and and collecting virtual dust for some time. Now (laughs) that's back on the front burner. And, um, you know, just uh, who knows, like we talk in six months, there could be something else out there that I'm doing because anything I do, the podcast, the Facebook group, the print newsletter was never planned. You know, it's the idea hit me and I just jumped in and did it. And I think that's the best way to do it too. Don't research the crap out of everything and then you never get it done. Just get out there and get it started. Yeah. Something I'd like to talk about a little bit with your podcast, because I think that it's, to me, it's really interesting. You mentioned earlier that when you started, it was a daily release mm. schedule, and then you backed it up to now it's just once a week. So what made you make that shift? Well, once I got out of the loony bin, I said I got it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
what I was finding for the seven days a week, I wasn't getting seven times the benefit mm. of doing all those shows. So don't get me wrong. It worked great for the first 300 episodes. It really ramped up. It helped with credibility, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, cause suddenly it had hundreds of shows out there. But once I got to that point, I thought, man, this is a lot of work. I was getting really busy with clients. Do I want to be spending that time with doing, working with the clients and stuff like that or just recording podcasts 24 seven? Right. And, um, I actually went backwards. A lot of people start with a weekly show, then they may bump it up to three episodes a week and then maybe five or seven. I went from seven to five. And then I went to three and now I'm at one. And I, and I find the weekly frequency works great for me uh, because it gives me time to do shows like this, get out on other shows. And I am launching a solo show here this year as well. Um, you know, no interviews. It's going to be a separate show. Right. So that was the other thing that was on my mind is it gives me opportunities to do a second podcast because I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> I, I love podcasting. So I'm going to do a, a separate show. So that was my logic behind it was um, I, my gut told me, you know what, I'm running myself in to the ground recording i was batching the interviews mm-hmm. and on tuesdays i was recording the interviews i was recording 10 to 12 interviews on a tuesday yeah just back to back and my brain was mushed by the end of them like i just don't want to keep doing it this way so it served its purpose now it will stay at the weekly frequency and i'm very happy that way yeah no i love that because it seems like these days people almost look at you know, making that sort of a shift as sort of a defeat or something, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it seven days a week. Oh, I got to back it down to once a week. Almost like it's a bad thing. But I think the way that, you know, you were able to look at how it was impacting your business and sort of that idea of if you say yes to this, you have to say no to other things. And you got to the point where you didn't want to say no to other things. Mm. I think it's important to have a what I call a daily something. Mm-hmm. So now my daily something isn't the podcast. My daily something is my emails. Mm-hmm. And that's been going really well in a year and a half that I've been doing it daily. So it, free, it frees up time, you know, where I'm not stuck in front of the microphone all the time. That I can do things like emails and other things. But I think that anyone starting should have a daily something. It'll increase your credibility, get your traction going quicker. Maybe it's Facebook Live, you know, for you. If I was, I do Facebook Lives, but if I was going all in on it, I'd go daily with mm-hmm. Facebook Live and do it. I don't want to do that. You know, I do a few a week usually. But, um, yeah, you got to pick something you enjoy doing and then just do it consistently. Well, let's talk a little bit about the idea of hiring out or or having that team around you, because the more that we talk, the more I'm like, and Mark is doing a lot, even though you say you have a team, a lot of the things that you are doing you're the one that has to do them. So how do you really get to that point where you're you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can hire this out or I can get someone else to do this, but these things are mine. Yeah, the things that I get help with are things I don't enjoy doing as much. So I have a twin brother, Matt, mm-hmm. and he has a podcast editing service called Pod Assist. And Matt started that um I handed off to him actually right around the time I, um, I think I was at it for like a year or something like that. Then he started his editing business and I very happily said, here you go. Have fun. <laughs> Cause I, I would rather get a root canal than edit podcasts. I just don't, I don't enjoy it and I never did. So I did a lot of them, but I did not enjoy it. Uh, my partner, Julia, she handles bookings. She has a business called interviews on demand. Uh, so he, she handles my bookings. So it works out well where it's kind of people who are close to me, people who I trust. Mm-hmm. I sat on my brother's head for nine months. So I hopefully <laughs> can trust him with my podcast. Right? right. But that helps. 
Now, um, if you getting started, if you can't, um, you don't don't go crazy hiring teams and all this other stuff because that's a lot of money to put out. But in the early days, maybe you could barter. You know, there's uh, someone that can edit your podcast or do graphics or whatever you need help with. Maybe there's something you could do for them. You know, to get it going. And you'll know in your gut when it's time to hand it off. If you're like, oh, dreading whatever it is, or you just don't enjoy it, then you, that's probably a pretty good indicator that it's time to hand it over to someone else. Right, definitely. Of all the things that you're doing, what would you say is your favorite strategy for bringing brand new clients into your business or just introducing new people to you? What are you loving right now? Um, I'm really liking my Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle. So if anyone wants to check it out, it's thecoachingjungle.com. It gives me an opportunity to connect directly with people, and um, and I learn just as much as I teach, you know, or more, you know, in there every single day. I'm learning stuff, so it's awesome. We've got seventy five hundred ish as we're recording this, uh, roughly seventy five hundred members in there, and it's just a really active community and great people. So I would say it's a Facebook group. I think every coach should have a Facebook group, uh, if at all possible. Unless you absolutely hate Facebook, and if your people, if your market's not on Facebook, your people aren't there, then don't start a Facebook group. But if possible, start a Facebook group. I'm a big fan of them. So, how did you get that engagement going when you first got started with your group? Um, I did a few things. I showed up every single day. So, if you're a Facebook group owner and you're not showing up, people aren't going to participate. Mm-hmm. Why should they? If you're the owner and you're not showing up. I did little things too, like I invited good people into the group. Never add anyone without their permission, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's um, my number one pet peeve or close to it. And I know that it's like nails going down a chalkboard for pretty much everyone else I've spoken with. So you're better to grow it with people who want to be there instead of just dumping them in. But I added good people in there who I knew could give value. I did things like tagging people. If someone put up a post and I knew someone could contribute to the conversation, I would tag them into it to get them involved in it. Um, I promoted the heck out of that Facebook group. I talked about it constantly anywhere I could to get people over there. I still talk about it a lot. Those are just some of the things I did. Nice. So knowing what you know now about building up a successful coaching business, what piece of advice would you give people if they're just starting out? What do you think they should do first? Your goal should be to have as many conversations as humanly possible. So conversations equal clients. And unfortunately, a lot of new coaches are doing work to make them feel busy. So they're tinkering with their website or they're working on uh, their logo or a PDF or just doing these things that they're keep, that makes them feel busy, but they're not actually out in front of people. They're like, well, I want to figure this out before I start talking to people or I want to do that. And that's not good. It's kind of like being in a war. You know, you're, you can't stay down in the foxhole. You got to be out into the battlefield. In this case is where the rewards are and that's taking action. So a lot of people are using those t- little tasks. It's, it's a convenient excuse, I guess, because they're afraid to get out there, but you got to get out there as quickly as possible. And I think it's Thoreau had a quote that said, it's not enough to be busy. Um, The ants are busy. The question is, what are we busy about, uh, busy with, Mm. you know, and I agree with that one totally. So I would say it's, uh, they've got to take action and they've got to get in front of more people and not be afraid to talk to people about what they do. 
Yeah, that's that's a really great piece of advice. So if somebody's really wanting to build an online business, would that still be the same advice? Or is there something different that people should focus on if they really want to keep their business more online? No, I think it's the uh, same either way. Business is business. You know, with the coaches I'm working with, they're, they're all online coaches. I'm, mm-hmm. I tell people that want to work with me that are more local. They want to coach at the local Starbucks and stuff like that and work just in their small part of the world. I'm probably not their guy, mm. uh, but the coaches I'm helping, I recommend that they uh, contact 10 people a day. They do reach outs to get conversations going. Oh, wow. You do 10 reach outs a day times five days a week. If you're taking a break on the weekend, you know, that's what 200 reach outs a month and you're going to get some business and some good things from that. So that would be my advice. Nice. Well, Mark, this has been so good and I've learned so much just from our short time together. So I would love it if we could finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Sure thing. All right. What is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Uh, Consistency. What's one quality that you think every successful coach should spend some time developing? Listening. Give us one book that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. Thick Face, Black Heart by Chin Ning Chu. Give us an online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Ooh, my online calendar. The schedule once is what I use. Nice. And finally, if the listeners want to connect with you, learn more about you and what services you provide, what social platforms are you on, and give us your website again. Well, if they go to the website, that has all my social media stuff on there. So uh, naturalborncoaches.com, naturalborncoaches.com. And the Facebook group is thecoachingjungle.com. Perfect. Great. Well, I will be sure to get all of those links and recommendations onto the show notes page. This has been a really good conversation, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.